Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks with John Caddick. It's the best. Hey, Metalheads and Headbangers, this is Doro Passion. You're listening to Iron City Rocks, and I wish you a great time. Rock on, and I'll see you soon. Hey, gang, this is John Karabi, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up, baby, loud and proud. Come on! Oh! Hello once again and welcome back to Iron City Rocks. This is episode 184. I'm your host John coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, blues, and rock music interviews and talk on the web. This episode's uh, certainly going to live up to that. We have joining us again for the first time in about two and a half years, John Karabi. John, who uh, many of you would probably remember, replaced Vince Neil and Motley Crue uh, for a period of time. They did one record with John, a phenomenal record. Uh, truly an underrated one. John also sang for a band called The Scream uh, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, an album that if you're a fan of that era and don't have The Scream, I would seek it out. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal record. Also sang with a band called Angora. And John is back now in uh, 2013 with a new release called Unplugged, which features uh, some new songs and some old songs obviously done acoustically. Uh, some retooling and reworking of some classics, including Motley Crue songs, Scream songs, Angora, and some new tracks. So what we're going to do now, we're going to play a track from the album. This is the Motley Crue track. Uh, this was Hooligan's Holiday, which John and I talked quite a bit about in the interview. Uh, and then we're going to get into the conversation with each other. Right. 
How are you doing, John? I'm great. How are you? Doing fantastic. You joined us. It's been almost two and a half years. You had been doing some touring with, uh, you did, I believe, a solo gig in Pittsburgh and uh, done a show with, uh, I'm not it was like Faster Pussycat or the Bullet Boys or somebody. You were coming through uh, and we talked to you. But it's been a while. Um, you have an incredible new release out. So we wanted to, to touch base with you and, and learn about you know the unplugged album, really. Um, can you just give us a little uh, background on how the the, you know, the seed got sown to make an unplugged album? Uh, well, you know, to be honest with you, I, I I've always wanted to do one. Um, 
you know, oddly enough, too, it's weird. A lot of people, you know, obviously, due to the bands that I've been, you know, everybody sees me as like, you know, the electric rock, you know, blah, 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 whatever guy. And, you know, but at the end of the day, pretty much every song that I've ever written in my entire life um, and recorded has always started out on an acoustic. So I, you know, for a while now, I've wanted to do some sort of an acoustic record. And then, you know, you remember back in the 90s when the Black Crows and Eric Clapton and everybody was doing those MTV specials. I thought they were amazing because it just kind of, you know, as great as I thought like the Black Crows were or Aerosmith was, I had like this kind of newfound respect for seeing them in that sort of a really stripped down setting there's there's no way for a guy like chris robinson or steven tyler or any of those people that did those things kurt cobain uh lane staley you know like hearing the song stripped down and not so bombastic and just being really intimate and everything it just really makes you hone in on everybody's playing everybody's singing and like the lyrics and melody of the song so I've always kind of wanted to do one, and, um, you know, it was weird. Even back when I did The Scream, I, I had the good fortune of meeting uh, Steve Marriott and, and Peter Frampton. Mm-hmm. And Steve Marriott even told me, you know, he's like, dude, if you can go play, a, you know, a play an acoustic guitar and entertain people, then you've got a great song, and you got... You know, you, you got talent and you got a great song. So yeah. I just wanted to try it. Yeah, I mean, that is, that is a great point. I mean, if you can take a guitar, you know, a single six-string acoustic guitar and, and no reverb and, and, you know, pedal boards out the wazoo uh, and, and no auto-tune and make it stand up, then you certainly have something, something real. Yeah, I mean, that's the luxury of, you know, being in a band or whatever, you know, and I trust me, I have a band and they're all great guys and so I'm not saying, like, band life is not the way to go. I'm just saying, like, I think this is kind of a cool, you know, it's a cool alternative, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, but being on stage when you're with a band, there's so much going on. There's the drums, the huge drums and cymbals and, you know, two guitars and bass and just the sheer volume and then the effects that the front of the house guy has on you. It's just like... You have you have the liberty of not of being maybe not so perfect. Yeah. Um, where an acoustic setting, it's it's a bit challenging, man. It's like you basically you have nothing to rely on. It's just like the song better be good and my delivery better be good. Period. Yeah. So I, I just I just I don't know. I like the challenge. I, I wanted to do one. I've always liked that format. So I figured I'd give it a shot. I've done. You know, up to this point, probably nine records or so, ten records. So I just figured, let's try an acoustic record. And if it works, to be honest with you, I'd like to do, I'd like to flip-flop and do, you know, I did an acoustic, we'll do an electric record, and then go back and do an acoustic, and just back back and forth. I, I love both formats so much. Why not? Yeah, plus it keeps it, it, keeps it fresh. You know, it's interesting you mentioned, um, you know, some of the great MTV performances. We're, as you know, today we're talking is the, I believe, 21st anniversary of when Clapton did his unplugged set. Uh, and one of the songs that really stood out to me on that set was his reworking of Layla. 
Now, yep. that kind of is where it was leading with that is that, you know, some of these tracks, like Hooligans Holiday, same melody, but you, you've retooled them. Uh, was that deliberate? How did you decide what was going to stay, you know, true to form but acoustic, and, and which ones kind of needed an overhaul? Well, I think kind of, you know, it, it, as much of an overhaul as Hooligans may sound like it has, mm-hmm. I was just explaining to somebody else um, a couple days ago, it's really funny, you know, because it's even so far with doing with this record, I've been doing a lot of, you know, press and reviews and, you know, it's it's funny, like everybody's like, man, that it's so cool, it's so swampy sounding and yeah. how did you come up with that riff? And, you know, in all honesty, like all I did was, you know, on the original version, it's so bombastic and so heavy and, you know, but that main riff now that's in the acoustic version is actually... Um, it's it, it's weird. If you go back and listen to the original, you'll hear that Nikki and I are kind of doing this droney mm-hmm. halftime thing. It, it's this weird note, like this droney note, and Mick is actually playing a riff underneath of us. It's kind of tucked. So I was listening, you know, people were, when I started doing acoustic shows, people would yell, Holiday's Holiday, or whatever, you know, so I kind of had to think about it for a minute. I'm like, okay, if I was going to do this song, how would I do it? Mm-hmm. And I tried the droney riff, and it just doesn't work. So I took the original riff that Mick was doing, and it, 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 worked, it worked more, but still wasn't quite right yet. So what I did is I just took Mick's riff, and I cut it in half. I used the front half of Mick's riff oh, as okay. the main riff in this song. And then all the other parts are the same. Mm-hmm. Everything's the same. I just sing the verses an octave lower. Okay. I just made it swampy. And then it was the, obviously, I used some guitars, and I think there's a dobro on there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I overdubbed a dobro, and, you know, and then there's, we recorded it at my house, and a train went by. There's a train tr- train tracks about two blocks from my house, and we heard the train, so we it actually got on the tape accidentally. So we just cranked the shit out of it and that's and uh, let yeah. it run. Happy so. accident, yeah. And I, I think that's one of the things like you said about a song that could stand up on its own. I mean, you've taken a song and prevented presented it in two very different forms. I mean, the, the original is is you know. Almost, you know, I would say, you know, one of the heavier songs of the last 30 years from the crew, uh, you know, very bombastic. And now you've got this very earthy sounding version, um, you know, and it's like tremendous. Um, some of the other tracks you, you chose, like you, you did, um, Mother, Father, Son, which, you know, wasn't a giant departure, but I mean, that song's gotta be, uh, I think anybody who listens or follow your career has, has gotta put that as probably, if not the highlight, but one of the, you know, finest pieces of work you've done. Was that uh, special to, to redo that one? Well, yeah, because, you know, it's it's weird. Like, you know, first of all, like, even some of these songs, like when I, when I did them, uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me how I came up with the songs that I came up with. And, and again, it was just trial and error. Like, like you were saying earlier, I've done, you know, acoustic shows over the last year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was some that I would try, some that I, you know, I, I threw into 
some, I mean, basically what I'm saying is some some songs work and some didn't. So, Love I Don't Need It Anymore, I've always gotten great response. I got a great response from uh, Hooligans Holiday. I... I uh, I always get a great response from Love Shine, Man in the Moon. Uh, so I kind of stuck with songs that I know work with the audiences that I've played for so far. Yeah. Um, I could have put probably a, a few more on the record, um, but I'm sure at some point I'll do some other acoustic recordings and we'll you know we'll do them then. But uh, this was basically me just kind of judging what the audience has dug or yeah. or what kind of response I got from the audiences that I've played in front of for the last year and a half or so. Yeah, now do you keep the, like you you mentioned doing live shows with these this material, do you keep the arrangements pretty similar night to night or some songs um, do you take a little more liberty with, you know, when you pull them out? It just depends on what kind of feedback I'm getting from the audience or, you know, it, one of the things that I try to do is I try to be really, um, you know, lighthearted and try not to take myself so serious as well. Uh, it's a storyteller's thing. Usually when I do these, I, I, you know, tell stories about why those songs were written. or yeah. But I try to keep everything really lighthearted and, 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 and open. And, uh, you know, it's not a... <laughs> I've done some acoustic shows where I'll I'll be playing and I can see somebody in the audience, you know, get a phone call or mm-hmm. or start texting or something, and I'll kid around with them. Like I kid, I I totally kid around with the audience, so I'll stop playing. It doesn't matter. It could be father, mother, son, or it could be, you know, never loved her anyway. Right. I'll stop in the middle of the song. And go, oh no, it's cool. We'll 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 wait. <laughs> We're good. What? Wait, my friend here's got he's gonna make a tax. He's yeah. doing a tax right. Are you done? Okay, okay. <laughs> and then I'll just pick up right where I left off. You know, and it, it's funny. It's you know, I razz the audience a little bit. I'll tell jokes. I you know, tell stories from my life or whatever. And sure. I just like I said, I just try to keep it light. And so yeah, I take liberties. Uh, some I may stretch out if I'm feeling uh, maybe. You know, I'm saying, you know, I just did a run in Europe, and I did 17 shows in a row. Um, so some of the song, some of the nights I just, for whatever reasons, I got up, and I'm going, oh, God, I feel a little weird. So play around with the melodies a little bit so that I can get through the evening and still give a good show. I'll play with the melody a little bit, but not much. I try not to, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you got to do what you got to do each night. You know, it's, every, it's a different day. Does that help keep, I mean, kind of messing around with the arrangements and things like that? Does that keep it a little more interesting for you as, as an artist instead of just going? Well, it definitely, keeps, it definitely keeps it interesting for who's, whoever's doing my sound because they yeah. have no idea what I'm going to do when I do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've, you know, wondered, I mean, obviously, is the man in front of Motley Crue, you're familiar with, you know, when you're doing these big full-on arena-type shows where there's video screens and, you know, pyro and everything, you know, you, you're you not allowed to deviate a lot. You know, at least most fans don't. You know, it's got to be kind of fun to just be able to, you know, let the, let the mood take you where you want to go. And, and that's the thing. Like, you know, honestly, I did the shows with the Scream, and 
you know, the screen was a bit of a jam band. You know, we would do some endings, you know, from Man in the Moon or I Don't Care or uh, Man in the Moon was the, the end of Man in the Moon was different almost every night. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. And it was, it was kind of like this reckless abandon thing because, you know, me as the singer standing on front of the stage, I never knew how those guys were going to get out of some of the jams that they did. <laughs> but they, they did. It was great. It was, it was so cool. And then I did the Motley thing. And nothing against Motley. It was a different thing. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, we were using backing vocals and, you know, the orchestra parts and all this other stuff. So everything was very precise. It, it yeah. Click tracks and um, it was very precise. Yeah. And then I went back to Union and Union was more of a jam band. So I, I've done both. And I, honestly, I think I like the freedom of, not really having a plan. Yeah. Um, it's there is something refreshing about it for the even for the audience. Like I can have somebody come and see me two or three days in a row, and they're not going to hear the same stories. They're not going to hear Man in the Moon. May not. It might. It may not be the same both nights in a row. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think it's it's cooler. It's cool for me, and it's. Cooler for the audience if you know if yeah. anybody wants to come and see the band more than once. Yeah, and that, that's a great point. I mean, it, I, you you look at a band like I don't know the Almond Brothers, Government, you know some of those bands that don't do the same set, you know, two days in a row ever, and half the set list will be different. It's got to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's certainly the the adrenaline's got to be kicking to make sure that you've got everything right. You know, there, there's always mm-hmm. that risk, but. Uh, it's got to be well, fun. It was weird. I just read this. I read the Rod Stewart autobiography, mm-hmm. and it was kind of the same. Like he talked, he talked about faces, and when he was in Faces, and he just said we weren't a band. We were just a bunch of friends that would meet at a pub every night, go have some cocktails, and then go leave the pub and play. And part of the appeal about that band was the fact that they could be at any moment. They rarely weren't. But he said they could be a train wreck. Yeah. The audience never knew, but the audience kind of looked at those guys as a bunch of, you know, bumbling, drinking mates that just got on stage and decided to jam. It was very loose. It was... You know, it was it, it was just it was just a very cool, fun, lighthearted vibe. You know, Ron Wood and Rod Stewart would you know screw around with each other, and Ronnie Lane and the drummer, and it was just a really kind of loose, free thing. You know, I did that. There's something about that that I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think t- people nowadays, or you know, for quite a while, tend to take themselves just a little too serious. And I'm not doing brain surgery or anything like that. I'm just playing a guitar and having a good time. Sure. And I want everybody that comes and pays their whatever amount of money to have a good time as well. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now, um, do you plan, I know you would you would mention doing a bunch of dates in Europe uh, near the end of the year. Um, are you planning on taking this on the road pretty soon in the United States? Uh, or? I, I'm hoping. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the problem of it is right now, if I can be really frank and honest, 
Certainly. I've done the last year and a half or so, I've done a lot of shows by myself where I just show up with an acoustic and play. And I've kind of painted myself into a corner where I have a band that can go out and deliver live um, pretty much what you hear on that record. When we play live, it'll sound exactly like the record. Mm -hmm. And I want people to hear it in that manner. But it's really difficult, you know, with the economy being the way that it is. Yeah, absolutely. Most promoters don't want to spend the money for to have a full band. You know, if the, if the full band comes, then we need, you know, three or four hotel rooms. they got to feed three or four guys. they got to pay a little extra money for the, the whole band, you know. So with me, it's just like, well, let's just have John come in and do it. And it's, you know, one guy, one room, one fee, call today and whatever. So I'm, I'm kind of in that position right now where I'm trying to let people know, like, it'll be worth your money, I'm telling you, if you bring the whole band, it'll be awesome. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm hoping that this summer I can jump onto some sort of a tour. We're putting some feelers out now and, and keeping our fingers crossed, so we'll see. Yeah, this is certainly the time to start making those kind of deals and, and you know, putting together some packages, because that seems to, it seems to work well. Um, you know, right. But it is hard, you know, I mean, if, if they have the option to fly you in and, you know, do a flyer, and coming on a Friday night, it's probably a lot cheaper, uh, you know, to bring John and his acoustic guitar than John and four of his, you know, bandmates. So I understand that. that that's so. the thing. I mean, even even with Europe, I was already in Europe. I, I, I just finished uh, right before Christmas. I was there for six and a half weeks. And I've been talking about them, you know, to those promoters over there, and it's the same thing, you know, uh, and my guys are getting frustrated. They're they're like, man, come on, you know, we want to go to Europe, we want to do this, we want to do that, but you know, it's so hard because you need four round trip tickets to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. In most countries, you need visas. Yeah. So you know, the working visas are you know an astronomical sum of money. I, the the one that I just did for the UK, I think, was five or six hundred dollars American for one guy. Yeah. Um, so you, you know what I mean? Uh, then it's the hotel rooms and each club or each theater or wherever you play, they've got to pay, they've got to feed four guys instead of one. And mm -hmm. so everybody weighs out the, they start weighing out the costs and, and it, they just sit there and they're like, ah, God, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I so it's, it's just a nightmare. Yeah, it is tricky. Um, one other question, I guess it's it's always kind of I think in everybody's brain, and especially you know you've had a relationship with Bruce Bruce Kulik over the years. Is there any talk of ever doing any more union records in the future? Um, I you know I, honestly I don't know because it, it's so funny we never really split up. Mm -hmm. We just kind of did other things to make money because at the time, you know, if I can be frank, union wasn't getting any support from anybody at all. Yeah. Uh, Whatever fan base we built up, you know, we kind of did it on our own. There, there wasn't a lot of magazines that wanted to talk to us. There wasn't a lot of MTV guys or radio guys or nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so we just kind of built up our own following. But even at the end of the day, we we really weren't making, you know, if, again, if I can be honest, we really weren't making a great living at Union. 
So Bruce got offered the Grand Funk gig. Yeah. I got offered the Rat gig. Oddly enough, Brent Fitz wound up going with Vince Neil yeah. on his solo thing. And then he pulled Jamie into that. And we were just kind of, you know, we just kind of uh, stopped recording. Yeah, <laughs> we, we all just went off to do other things. And we've talked about it. We've talked about maybe, even if we didn't do a record, maybe if we just got together and did short little bursts or tours, you know, maybe a couple weeks here, a couple weeks there, yeah. it would be a lot of fun. But yeah. everybody's so busy. You know, Bruce is still doing Grand Funk. Now I got this record, Brett's playing with Slash, and Jamie just got done doing Japan with Roger Daltrey. So. Yeah, it's hard every- to turn down, knowing Payday. Yeah. yeah. Certainly. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, the, the idea of going on the road, you know, it seems like an interesting idea, and in you know, it's a lot less expensive to go on the road than it is to make another record. So yeah, plus you can kind of test the waters and see, you know, who remembers it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'd rather do that than trying to, you know, get on Kickstarter or one of those things and get people that whatever or try to get a record deal, and you know, it's just. Or even self-fund the thing. You know, you self-fund a record and you go out and you sell a thousand copies, you don't make your money back. So I'd rather just go out and do the tour and see if there's interest mm-hmm. for us to do something. And, if, and then if it's there, then we can sit down and think about it. But right now we're all just so focused on our own things. It's, it's you know, yeah, yeah. we haven't really talked about it much. Yeah, it seems like just yesterday Bruce put out uh, BK3. So, yeah, it's, it's the time, yeah. time goes quick, though, unfortunately. All right, John. Well, I want to thank you. Uh, for those who want to pick up the record, um, I would have to recommend going to Rat Pack Records. Uh, it's got some cool packages uh, to get the album and some pics and T-shirts and things like that. So uh, it's available also on Amazon and I'm sure iTunes and all that yeah, good stuff. Yeah, iTunes and uh, even my website too, johnkarabi.com. Um, it's it's all it's out there. Yeah, and it is fantastic. Uh, my my hats off to you. It was a, a really great listen. So I, you should be proud of proud of that record, John. I want to thank you so much for taking the time on your schedule, man. I appreciate it. No worries, buddy. Thank you. Eric Clapton, live in concert, Saturday night, April sixth at Consol Energy Center. One night, one stage. Slowhand is back live. The force and six string that defined a generation. Eric Clapton. Saturday, April 6th at Consol Energy Center. Eric Clapton and his special guest, The Wallflowers. Tickets on sale now. Available at Ticketmaster. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Eric Clapton. A Beaver Production. Have you ever listened to an album and thought to yourself, man, I could do so much better than that? Well, here's your chance. My name is Sue, and I've decided to write my next album live and online at RageAndApathy.com. So come on over, leave me a comment, and tell me what you think about the album and where you think it should go. 
And as a bonus for you Iron City Rockers out there, I will give you an exclusive copy of the first song as soon as I get it finished. So stop on over to RageAndApathy.com and join my madness. All right, folks. I want to thank John Karabi for coming on the show. Always uh, fun to listen to his stories. He's got a, a you know obviously a long musical history and uh, some great stories to tell. So cool! You can check out that album at Rat Pack. That's P A C K Rat Pack Records or John Karabi's website. It's available on iTunes, etc. Rat Pack uh, for those of you uh, not familiar, the record company always does really really cool packages when you buy the album. So you can get like a T-shirt. Uh, some Motley Crue picks, all kinds of cool old stuff uh, to go along with the CD, a uh, very economical price. So I uh, encourage you to support them uh, in their endeavor uh, to keep this kind of music going. They're also the company that brought out uh, George Lynch's last album. So uh, good people do great stuff there. I would like to ask you to take a moment, if you have time, to go to Iron City Rocks Facebook page or ironcityrocks.com. Iron City Rocks on Facebook it is facebook.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. Uh, for the month of February, at least the first half of the month of February and the latter part of January, we're doing a capital campaign uh, to try to raise some funds to purchase some new camera equipment. As you know, uh, most of you have been to our website. We do a lot of concert photography, and we're trying to do better concert photography, honestly. So what we've done, we have uh, been lucky enough over the last uh, four years to accumulate a lot of stuff. Uh, and uh, a lot of people we worked with have graciously donated items uh, that we basically have put up on uh, uh, Indiegogo, which is a uh, thing to do campaigns. So if you go to Indiegogo.com forward slash Iron City Rocks Camera or follow the links from our Facebook or our website, you'll see items we have uh, up for grabs. Basically, you make a donation uh, through PayPal or a credit card. And you get the items in return at the different dollar levels, similar to how public broadcasting does it. But uh, separate from public broadcasting, we don't charge you three times as much for the rewards. So we have uh, many, many CDs that we've piled up over the years. Uh, Fifteen bucks will get you a CD mailed. Twenty bucks for a DVD. Uh, we've got some Black Label Society T-shirts. Uh, we have 8x10s from previous concerts that we've done. Uh, you pick one, we'll uh, get it to you in the mail. Uh, really, really cheap. Also, we have a bunch of concert tickets. So we have bands like Coheed and Cambria, The Used. Uh, we have Tom Kiefer of Cinderella, uh, all coming through Pittsburgh. So you can get those tickets uh, from our site. Basically, the uh, face value of the tickets. Uh, the upside to you is you don't pay any service charge. As you know, if you go to any online ticket uh, source you pay for the concert ticket but then you pay upwards of 20 percent 25 percent more in fees which we all hate me included so come to our website spend 40 bucks and you walk away with two tom Kiefer tickets and we don't charge you another 11 dollars in server charges we'll mail them to you for nothing so check that out it would really really help us and uh, help us bring you better content as many of you know we're not a for-profit organization we are certainly in the red we've been in the red since day one we do it because we love it we do it because we get to spend an afternoon talking to people like john karabi so we do it as a labor of love but uh you know we try to to raise a little bit of money to bring you better stuff but we don't want you to just shell over you know your hard-earned money we know what this economy is like trust us we know so we want to give you something in return, something of equal value. So check that out, indiegogo.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. 
Also invite you to check out castironring.com. That is a network of which Iron City Rocks is a part of, made up of some incredible metal podcasts. Uh, and just recently on the Shockwave Skull Sessions, and you can find that right on the uh, Cast Iron Ring page, uh, Aaron of Signal to Noise and also our co-host here on Iron City Rocks took part in a roundtable discussion uh, with a bunch of the other hosts. So it gives you a chance to learn about all this podcast uh, while enjoying the Shockwave Skull Sessions. Also, we did a KISS special right around the end of the year. I know as many of you as I am are fans of KISS, so you can hear us uh, kind of dissect KISS over the last um, 20, 30, 40 years it is now. So check that out as well. Again, castironring.com. What we're going to do now, we're going to introduce you to a band. We've got an exciting new year out of Wheeling, West Virginia, and the band is called Tongue in Cheek. Uh, I'm going to play a track from you called Candies in Love, and then I'm going to introduce you to the band.
the band Tongue and Cheek. We've got Dino Valentino and Dr. Scary. How you doing, guys? Yeah, how's it going, man? It's going fantastic. We are in the year 2013. Uh, the weather is fine, and the music is loud, so everything is going great. You guys uh, sent me a copy of your latest EP, and uh, I gave it the old uh, put-it-in-the-car stereo trick, uh, for those who still remember CD players in their car. Uh, so you, you have an 8-track player in your car? No, Boy, I tell you, I only, re- you on only recently got rid of the cassette, so let's let's leave that for oh. another story. But um, I have to say, this thing caught me immediately. You guys open with the uh, what has become sort of an obligatory instrumental sort of track, but it's not a typical synth track. You guys uh, kind of come out swinging with a really cool guitar track entitled Intro. You guys want to talk just a little bit about the EP and how it all came together? Sure, love to. Uh, we just um, decided one day we're you know at rehearsal and uh, we had to take a break. Somebody had to use a restroom or something, and we just decided to um, have you know keep playing along a little bit and uh, just kind of wrote a riff. And um, Dino, our drummer, hi Dino, how are you? Hello. Um, <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, we um, he just he he really liked it, and we started to do you know he started to put some drum tracks on it and. Uh, that evening in that rehearsal, the entire song was written, which was our first uh, kind of single off of there called Candies and Love. Mm-hmm. And we just figured, well, let's just keep rolling with this. I mean, typically we've, you know, we've been a cover band, but we've got something to say, too. You know, we're musicians. We wanted to tell a little bit of our story, too. So um, the EP was born. Match this up. And awesome. And you mentioned, I know we, we as, at Iron City Rocks will get email from time to time from a lot of tremendous cover bands, uh, tribute bands, covered bands, and, and that whole thing, which we typically tend to shy away from only for licensing issues. It, it becomes very complicated to play uh, an independent band doing a, a Van Halen song right. on a podcast. So for those of you who are listening who are in a cover band, uh, that is why. It has nothing to do with us not thinking you're talented enough. It's just a licensing issue because we don't want to have to go to Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and pay them money to play your work. Um, so you guys are a cover band, um, and you guys... We like, to, we, like to, we like the term tribute band a little better than cover band, band but, which is you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Um, so can you kind of talk about the shtick of, of Tongue and Cheek and, like, what you guys were, maybe even before the EP, like, what, what, was, what was the tribute of? It's, uh, well, we talked about this a little bit before we started uh, recording here. You know, we're all we're all our full or late thirties, early forties, and the type of music that we grew up on was the fun party rock era, mm-hmm. the, the the hair band era, the the, uh, the Van Halen, the Poison, the Death Leopard, the Bon Jovi, the all that stuff. And we when we first got together, we were there was not even a question or a debate about what we wanted to play. It wasn't even, well, we could be this, or we could be a metal band, or we could be a... It just, it just it was like, these are the songs we loved. These are the songs songs that our our generation wants to hear. Sure. Uh, they've, been at, they've been at work all day. They're dealing with uh, taxes and babysitters and the, the bosses of this, you know, this, this guy and whatever. And when they come out on a Saturday night, and, and, and the other thing is, you know, their kids are now old enough that they can... Uh, you know, the, the the parents finally give, yeah, you know what, we, we can go out on a Saturday night. Our, our kids are in high school, and they're, you know, they don't care about what we're doing. And they walk out, they walk into a club, and they they hopefully walk into a club where we're playing, 
and they know every song we're doing. It's, there's nothing, you know, odd or strange about the music that they're hearing. It's not kind of, right. uh, you know, they light up and say, I, I, I remember this music. This is what I grew up on. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. And do you want to talk just a little on the the image? I mean, because that you know, as we were talking before we started rolling tape here, uh, um, you guys don't look like you guys look. So can you just talk a little bit about you know the visual aspect of Sung and Cheek? Well, actually, I do. Uh, oh, okay. I, I'm, uh, it's, I mean, I look a little different on stage as is off stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing: we show up, uh, we show up to the venue. Uh, we have you know. We get everything where we want it. We have a crew that you know sets some stuff up, mm-hmm. and then when it's time to see the show, we come out dressed, ready for the show. If if, if we came out and uh, Dino says this all the time, and, and I agree with him, if we come out in you know just jeans and a t-shirt and we just kind of stand there and we play the songs, it, it's not the same. When you come to see a tongue and cheek show, hair is flying. We're in spandex. We got makeup mm-hmm. on. We got the scarves on the you know on the mic right. stand. You're, we got pyro. I mean, you're walking in like you're walking into an 80s rock concert. Yeah. And that's the idea. I mean, if, you know, like I said, if we showed up in, you know, a pair of, of shorts and, you know, sandals and, a, and a, you know, a T-shirt, it, it's not, it, it just doesn't have the same effect. So when the when the lights go down and it's time to hit the first note, we're coming out there and we're we're ready. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what the audience wants. That's what we like to give them. So that's what we do. You know, you know the other side of that is if I can add to that. Absolutely. If you went to if you went to see a uh, a Broadway show that was you know a touring Broadway show, or, or if you're in New York and went to a Broadway show, and the actors came out on stage in jeans and t-shirts, wouldn't you go, well, what is this? What mm-hmm. you know? This, I came to see a show. Or if you went to yeah. a movie and, and uh, you know all the characters were just dressed in their their everyday clothes, that that's not what a performer does. Gene Simmons famously said, a dentist wears a white coat, a banker wears a suit. If you're in a rock band, dress like a rock star. Yeah. In, you know, and, and you know, I, another thing I say all the time is, you know, Eric Clapton is good enough to show up in his jeans and T-shirt, and we'll all stand around in a circle with our, yeah. our jaws open and watch Eric Clapton play. But he, Maybe, you know, your, your, your cover band needs to do a little bit more, needs to bring a little bit more to the table. Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, we have dealt with... Um in our years, we've had probably 150 unsigned, you know, bands from Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, and there is such a small hand few that I think grasp the visual element of playing a show. I mean, obviously, when you make it to playing thousand seaters and things like that, um, you know, it's a little bit easier. But I think bands need to look at that really from day one and decide what does this band look like. Because if you look like five schleps going into lows. There's nothing visually appealing about it, and I'm not saying every band has to wear, right. you know, skin-tight leather pants and, and dress like Judas Priest or, or dress like Steel Panther. But there needs to be some cohesiveness and and something that makes you look different than the people sitting in the audience. You know, plus or you know, it doesn't hurt if you sound good too, which you guys have obviously nailed. But it just takes it that much further. You know, you guys learn how to play your instruments, you learn how to write songs, you learn how to play other people's material that people want to hear. But then you're making one extra effort to add a visual element to make the show more, show more appealing, which is, you know, a very lost art, I think, you know, with, with smaller bands. You know, I think a lot of bands don't get that until they get a manager. Um, you know, so advice to anyone listening, spend a few minutes looking at pictures of your band live. You know, I remember seeing that you mentioned Gene Simmons. Kiss used to videotape their practices. 
look at what you look like on stage. Exactly. You know? Right. The people listen with their eyes. And Absolutely. A lot of people don't get that. And it's like, you want to, you want to say to, to people, okay, so you went out and you bought a fancy guitar. Man, that's a pretty guitar. And you got a big Marshall stack behind you. That's a good looking amp. And you got, you, you paid a light guy to, to hang all these lights up in this club mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you went, all those P, A, B, and C, and D are in place. And you're, like you said, you look like you just walked into Lowe's. Like, what? Yeah. You didn't finish. You didn't finish. The, you didn't put a bow on the package. Yeah. You didn't finish the production. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's it's like pretty obvious to us. It's like yeah. getting a Christmas gift in a plain brown box with no wrapping. That's, yeah. that's not. That's a terrible gift. Yeah, I mean, there are again, there are artists I think that are beyond this. But look at you know some of the you know entertainers who are you know, have a, a a known commodity of a live performance. You know, both rock, hard rock, metal. You know, you take people like Lady Gaga, Madonna, Van Halen, Kiss, Motley Crue. There is an incredible visual element to those bands. You know, the, you want to go out with an acoustic guitar and a flannel shirt and a shaggy beard, and, you know, you can, you know, you're going to get an audience, but why not add, you know, even in that angle, make a visual element to your show somehow. Right. So anyway... Enough of my soapbox, but you guys just uh, happened to touch on something that I've always felt sorely lacks in, in many bands. But um, let me ask the question, because the first thing uh, when I listened to the CD uh, that really hit me is, what on earth are you using for that guitar tone? <laughs> um, I, I would love to tell you that it's some great big huge secret, um, but it it really isn't. <laughs> it just you know, I would love to tell you that it's, you know, 23 Marshall stacks with four mm. racks, you know, mm. five different mics and 17 condensers running through Pro Tools HD. It is a 15-watt PV Viper practice amp. All right. With I'm a sure SM57 in front of it going into Pro Tools. Awesome, awesome. I, I mean, I have to, when I listened to it, I was like, this guy's got an incredible sound on this thing. And that's, um, you know, I was curious if you were going to say, you know, that's, three guitars tracked and, and you know we're doing this one through a Fender Twin and this one through a JCM 800 no. uh, <laughs> obviously that, there's some double tracking going on for some of the things uh, you know to get some of the overdubs and everything correct mm-hmm. but um, it isn't it's a, a Kramer guitar no pedals going directly into a PV Viper 15 watt practice amp that you can buy anywhere for 99 bucks with a Shure SM57 in front of it awesome awesome that is, that is it really should be noted that uh, it should be noted that the great Dr. Scary over there has a uh, Kramer endorsement. Oh, very cool. Let's talk about that because Kramer, uh, I think it's a band that, or a brand. I'm sorry, not a band. Um, everyone knew Kramer in 1989 and you know, probably into 1990, and then the company, I believe, went bankrupt and right. went in through New Jersey, and then they were absorbed or purchased through Gibson, if I'm not mistaken. What maybe seven or eight years ago, maybe a little 95. longer. 95. Wow. Oh, that makes me feel old now. Um, so you're playing, what is it, a, a Pacer? I'm playing, yes, a, a, a Kramer Pacer, Pacer Classic. It's a 2011, 2012. Okay. Uh, I've got a few of them. The one that I mainly use is uh, it's the fluorescent pink one with the black bangle. Um, it's actually on the cover of Snatch This Up. Okay. Um, that's, uh, that's the one that I primarily use all the time, and then I have a few backups that are also Pacer Classics. 
Awesome. Now, do you do they do these graphics for you? These aren't off-the-shelf graphics on these. That, no, it's not an off-the-shelf graphic. The um, the painter of that particular one, uh, his name is Bo Pittman. He's in Alabama. Okay. He also um, he's the painter. Uh, he paints most of Kramer's uh, custom graphics. He painted okay. Satchel from Steel Panther, and he painted Lexi Fox. There's. Uh, he actually had um, Satchel's. Um, what do you want to say? His um, his graphic there. You know the um, the stencil. So I just had him do the same exact thing that Satchel mm-hmm. had, only in hot pink and black instead of, um, you know, like a, uh, you know, an orange, mm-hmm. red bangle. Um, so he did that, and then he uh, he actually hit our logo in one of the stripes as well. So if you look real close, you can see the tongue-in-cheek logo painted in the in the guitar. I'm gonna guess that most people, when they're looking at this album cover, don't look real close at the guitar. But yeah, <laughs> there's a guitar in that picture. You probably didn't notice that. Yeah, actually, you know, that's just, I I did. That was honestly, I'll be honest, the guitar caught me quicker than anything else because I'm a freak for guitars. Um, but yeah, I, I have got, 78 of them. How many do you have? I only have 11, I think. So I don't <laughs> amateur. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. no, that's the truth. I don't know that. Um, how do you, how does <laughs> a, let me ask you this question because this, this kind of goes into a different thing. How do, how does a band you know, you guys are near Wheeling, uh, West Virginia, correct? Correct. Right. How do you attract an endorsement deal from Kramer? I mean, without giving away secrets that you may not want to, but I mean, how do you get on their radar? Well, uh, every year uh, I've been collecting Kramer guitars ever since I can remember. Um, and uh, every year they would have a, um, a what they would call a convention in Nashville, and mm-hmm. I would go every year. And, of course, being down there and then meeting some of the execs and then mm-hmm. – uh, when the band started to really happen, that's when they, uh, you know, when we started doing some of these opening slots and doing little mini tours with some uh, some pro bands. That we got some attention, and uh, that's when they just asked if I'd be interested in doing a doing an endorsement with them, and uh, worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I have to admit, I, I I to this day kick myself. I had a uh, Kramer Striker that, you know, in the '90s you couldn't give a guitar with a Floyd Rose away. Right. And, you know, everything you wanted to play, especially in the early 2000s, was in drop D, and it became such a pain, and I just unloaded it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I've subsequently bought many guitars with Floyd Rose, but, uh, you know, haven't got back to Kramer. And the question of the quality, I mean, is the quality as good as it was 20 years ago? The, the guitars are amazing quality. I mean, I've I've tested this thing and abused it on the road, gig after gig after gig, stays in tune, feels great, sounds amazing. I mean, it's 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 they're good stuff. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's really really cool to hear. Um, now, you guys, did you guys do this this EP on your own dime, or are you guys um, do you have a studio that you work out of, or is like one of you own a studio, or do you work with one in the region? Uh, well, it was recorded at my recording studio, uh, okay. Gary Studios in Weirton, and but it was mixed and mastered at Innovation Studios in Steubenville, Ohio, with Mike oh. Oscar. Okay, there's a name we hear quite a bit on the show. Oh my goodness, he was um, he's amazing. Yeah, that would explain, uh, you know, how it sounds, which is, which exactly. is tremendous. Yeah, Mike is, yeah. Uh, for those not familiar, Mike, uh, Gene the Werewolf guitarist, and um, yeah. just did the latest Chip Dimonic EP, uh, Sign of a New Generation. So that's yeah, awesome. That sounds amazing, too. Yeah, great, great stuff. So uh, hats off to Mike if you're listening. Mike, we're, we're lucky enough to uh, have Mike as a occasional fill-in for our rhythm guitar player. Oh, okay. Um, and... Uh, and, and it's something like tongue in cheek, you know. It's it's a it's a living it's an entity that uh, you know we, you could dro- you could drop guys in and out pretty easily, uh, especially in that rhythm guitar spot. Nothing. We love our rhythm guitar player, but you know sometimes 
you need a guy, and when you get a call on a guitar player, when Mike Oska is your first call, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, you're doing, <laughs> exactly. You're doing okay. Uh, yeah, it, it, I'm 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 a little uncomfortable with it because he's ten times the guitar player that I am, but yeah. he is so happy in his role that he doesn't he doesn't care. We we had a rehearsal and I asked him, you know, is it hey? you want to take some of these leads? And he said, listen, I just want to show up. I want to play my guitar. I want to have a party, and yeah. I'm happy in my role. And I said, well, that's fine then, you know, but please, by all means, you're – that's like, you know, yeah. un- unbelievable to me that he, you know, being the talent that he is, will just step aside and, you know, kind of be there and party. Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot less pressure when you're, when you're quote, quote, the rhythm guy. You know, you can yeah. – let you worry about going out and hitting a hitting a dud note. That's that's kind of fun. So let me ask you this: Is the CD is this available as a download anywhere? It's available on cdbaby.com okay. right now. Okay. And we are in the purgatory of the time between it's released on CD Baby and the arrival on iTunes and Amazon and Spotify and right. And not Pandora, all, whatever the, all the other sites are, and I'd probably send CD Baby a or not uh, see, uh, disc makers a uh, an email once a week saying, uh, "Hey guys, any any word on uh, iTunes there?" And we get back this, the standard, uh, "Well, we'll let you know when you're something." Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so it no. is available today, right now, on CDBaby.com. Awesome. And in defense of no one, but iTunes is not the fastest entity. Uh, they they move at their own speed, as I can right. assure you. Four years it's in running. Still, uh, yeah. yeah it's you, also available on um, drscary.com. Drscary.com, okay. Right. And you guys, uh, is there a, um, a predominant web address to check you guys out? Uh, um, our Facebook profile is probably the easiest way. Okay. Uh I know we're probably lacking a little bit in that. We found before that, that having an actual website was, was real hard to push people to it. Um, and, of course, you know, all the bands, I can't say all the bands, many of us really liked the MySpace format a lot better because you could post your videos and you could have your set list and your gigs where you're playing and, and you know, et cetera. But you got to go where the people are. You, you, could, you could run your MySpace page all, all day, but there's nobody there. You know, it's like advertising the Yellow Pages. At, yeah. It's, <laughs> What's the point? Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was trying reverb nation, though. Yeah, reverb nation. Reverb nation. Yeah, I kind of forgot that. Um, it's kind of an unusual format there, uh, but we are on reverb nation as well. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, the we'll best play. place, to, but the best place to check us out is a show. That's yeah. if you want. To, that's where you want to see us. Awesome. And where, what do you guys have coming up on the schedule? Anything? I know it's kind of a slow time of year on for a lot of bands, but uh, you guys have anything big on the horizon? Live-wise? We're going to ro- we're actually going on the road this weekend. It's uh, it's an out of town show for Pittsburgh, but we uh, will hope to link this uh, interview before then. We were playing in Northumberland, Pennsylvania, which is out near State College. Okay. They had a big show out there, and we're working on something else in February that we can't talk about now. But uh, the next show in Wheeling will be our seventh annual St. Patrick's Day blowout, which we do at a restaurant in the Elm Grove area of Wheeling. Which, if you're coming from Pittsburgh or Washington, Pennsylvania, is literally a jump, skip down the road. It's the uh, first part of Wheeling when you get into uh, near the Highlands, if anyone's familiar with that. And okay. the club is the, the restaurant is called Undo's. So okay. It's a huge party, St. Patrick's Day weekend. Cool. Huge. Hundreds of people. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank there you. There are literally for... dozens of people. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's excellent. All right, guys, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I wish you guys the best of luck down the road. And why don't we play a little bit of Candies and Love here? Hey, we want to say we want to give a shout out to our boy Justin, who won Best Drummer in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's our he's a he's our he's our boy, and uh, he's a good good kid. Yeah, I have to admit, I was pleased. I I I will. Sad to admit, I didn't know who he was when he. I looked at the winners, and I was like, Justin Walker, correct? And I looked at him like, who is this guy? So I, you know, that's not a real unusual name. So I started googling my way around. I'm like, this kid's seventeen. You know, he's playing. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, makes you feel old. But yeah, congrats, 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 Justin. Yeah, that was great. It was great to see some young blood in there. So, guys, again, thanks for coming on the show. Our thanks for having us, man. We appreciate so much. it. Bon Jovi in concert. Live in Pittsburgh. The man. The band. The hits. Don't miss Bon Jovi. It's my February 21st at Consol Energy Center. No opening act. All night. All Bon Jovi. February 21st at Consol Energy Center. Buy your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com, 800-745-3000, and at the box office. Have a nice day. Don't miss Bon Jovi, produced by AEG Live. More at BonJovi.com. Have a nice day. All right, that wraps it up for this episode of Iron City Rocks. You can join us at ironcityrocks.com, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Don't forget, we also have the campaign I mentioned earlier, indiegogo.com forward slash ironcityrocks camera, or you can find links to it on Facebook and website and Twitter and all that happy stuff. I want to thank both John Karabi and the guys from Tongue and Cheek for coming on the show talking to you about their new releases and we will join you next time with what i can promise is going to be a really cool episode <laughs>